Now, more than ever, we are bombarded with luring images, advertisements promising something better to our life, fantasies that are roping our minds into the dream of having something more. How are we meant to stay dead focused on our service of Hashem and on track in today's ever-increasing allure towards greater pleasure? To find that answer, we need to take a look at the challenges of Yosef HaTzadik, get to the root of what our sexual drive is, how it manifests, and why it can lead us astray in life, and then look at the mindset tool that Yosef HaTzadik used to overcome his temptation to express it in the wrong way. My hope is that once we finish this episode, you can walk away with an actionable mantra that you can repeat to yourself every time you notice yourself chasing something that leads you away from your mission in life and hopefully live a more potent, rich, and directed life. Yosef, in this week's Parsha, is tempted by the wife of Potiphar to sleep with her. The verse says, The wife of Potiphar fixates herself on Yosef and says, Lie with me. Yosef, at this point in his life, has everything stacked against him. Look at all the variables here. Number one, he has every excuse to be angry and give up on Hashem. His own family betrayed him. He's in such a depressed, low state of mind, totally dejected from everything he loved and once knew. Now he has no freedom. As a slave in Mitzrayim, he has every right to give up on Hashem, to give up on who he was. Number two, he has no other source of love. There are no family or friends to give him love and connection, no community. Love is the most basic human desire and Yosef is there in Mitzrayim, lonely to his core. And now someone is finally offering him some attention and affection. Number three, he is in Vegas. Egypt was the nakedness of the land. What happens in Egypt stays in Egypt. His Yetzirah was surely telling him, come on, that's what everyone does here. Just let go and enjoy life a little bit. And then on top of that, nobody will ever know if he slept with the wife of Potiphar. He's miles from his family in Canaan. Nobody knows him here. Nobody would ever know. And then on top of that, He's at age 18. I once saw a Harvard study that says that the production of testosterone increases 10 times in adolescent boys. Here is Yosef Atzadik with his Yetzer Hara in this area at its all-time peak. On top of that, the wife of Potiphar is beautiful. It's the opportunity of a lifetime. And the Medrash brings down that she tries every different facet of appeal. Every day, a new outfit. You don't like this mini? How about these jeans? Don't like this high heels? How about these flats? Don't like this kind of makeup? How about this kind of eyeliner? Every day trying to tempt Yosef with a new look and show how much she was invested in attracting him. 
And on top of that all, we have to take into consideration the mental and emotional fatigue that Yosef must have been going through. This was happening every day. We get mental fatigue. We can't withhold from something forever. How long can you withhold from a piece of cake sitting in your office or around the house? Now imagine they're trying to sell you your most basic desire to be able to withhold despite all of the things stacked up against Yosef was unimaginable and unhuman. Despite all of this, Yosef resists. The Torah says that Yosef refused, but it's read with a cantillation mark called a shalshelis that makes it sound like a roller coaster. And the tune goes up and down and up and down. His challenge had its ups and downs. He was wrestling with his inner instincts. He had strong days and weak days. And ultimately, Yosef was victorious. He overcomes. And at the day when the temptation was at its strongest, when nobody else was home, it's just them two together. She forces herself on him, says the verse, Vayanas hachuta. he musters up the intellectual clarity to cut through the fog of his desire and to run away. Rav Hutner and Pachad Yitzchak points out that Yosef is in a certain sense considered one of the Avos, one of our forefathers. He's a hybrid, both of one of the Avos, one of our Jewish forefathers, and one of the Shvatim, one of the tribes. On the one hand, he's one of the sons of Yaakov and counted as one of the 12 tribes. But on the other hand, he has two children, Menashe and Ephraim, that both count as tribes. And in that sense, he's one of the Avos. Additionally, the death of the Avos is recorded in the the book of Voracious and the death of the tribes is recorded in the book of Shemos. Where is Yosef's death recorded? The answer is both. Sefer Voracious and Sefer Shemos. Rav Hutner says that Yosef is a hybrid and gets the quasi status of one of the Avos because he modeled a new power to the Jewish people. The power of staying true to yourself and your Jewish mission without assimilating and blending into the popular culture. Each of the Avos brought something new to the table and what Yosef showed us was that we can have the fortitude to be completely separated from our people and yet maintain our integrity to Hashem. Yosef speaks to us so strongly in Galas because we have never been surrounded more by the influence of the world around us. It has never been more difficult to maintain our values on every level. We feel so estranged politically by the way we dress, by our value on family and community, by maintaining our moral standards towards what we look at and who we engage with. It's nearly impossible to engage with the secular world and not be bombarded by their messaging. I've been involved in Kirov in outreach for quite a number of years already. And one of the questions I've dealt with quite a few times is why can I look and glean pleasure from looking at a woman? The Torah allows me to eat good food. It allows me to enjoy a beautiful sunset. What's different about looking at a woman or engaging in a casual relationship with her that now the Torah says, this pleasure is forbidden. The answer is that when we look at why Hashem built us with sexual instincts, He built it to lead us towards the connection of other. 
The sexual drive is a drive towards the release of our egos and to absorb ourselves completely into the energy of the other person. The power, drive, force of sexuality is about the power of giving ourselves up completely and allowing their energy to completely take us over. The reason sexuality is so powerful is because it's a microcosm of Olam Haba, of the world to come. The Sepharim writes that the experience of the world to come is giving up our limitation of self to fully experience Hashem's reality, the infinite reality, energy, and power of the universe. It's all about releasing the self to experience the other. The relationship we have with our spouse is a mushal, it's a microcosm of achieving true unification with Hashem. And this is why Shira Shirim is written using this mushal. What this means is that the pleasure we glean from looking at the masculine or feminine features in another person is not just about seeing something beautiful. It's a simulation and anticipation of connection with that person. Rabbi Yitzchak Berkowitz therefore explains that this whole realm of pleasure is different than any other appetite of the human body. This realm of pleasure is qualitatively different than the pleasure of a good dessert or a beautiful landscape. Why? Because what's giving you pleasure from looking or fantasizing about another person is the excitement and anticipation of a connection with that person. Your animal soul is subconsciously simulating to your mind what it would be like to let go of its ego and completely experience the energy of that person. The body is getting psychologically excited about it. Your heartbeat quickens, your eyes dilate, your mind floods with the idea. Your whole body is consumed with the idea of giving your very self into a connection with that individual. What's giving you pleasure is more than the beauty of the person. It's the excitement of engaging in a relationship with that person. And the Torah doesn't want us simulating connections with people that are toxic for your neshama. I want to dive even deeper and ask why not? Why can't Hashem just allow me to enjoy myself a little? What's wrong with appreciating the magnetic pull of the man or woman next to me? And I remember as a teenager always feeling left out. Because many of my secular friends would hang out with their girlfriends on the weekend. And as the religious kid, I always felt so left out. It made me feel so inadequate. And I remember thinking to myself, Hashem created me with this whole faculty that's meant to help me produce a unification of body, mind, and soul. But there's no way for me to use it yet. I felt like it was just a liability, something I just had to repress and subdue instead of channel. Why couldn't Hashem allow me to express this part of me? a little bit. It can be so frustrating. So I want to completely reframe the avoda of what Hashem wants from us in this area of challenge. What Hashem is doing by having us withhold from engaging and connecting with a man or a woman that we have no business having a relationship with is focusing and putting our energy into the people and things that will expand our quality of life fulfillment. The Torah uses a very particular language when it teaches us not to chase our eyes and heart. It says, What does the word sasuru mean? To spy. Do not spy after your heart and after your eyes. 
What is a spy? A spy is someone who sneaks out of his domain and into somebody else's domain to see what's happening there and to eventually take it over. The Torah is giving us this powerful visual that this is what happens when we follow our eyes and desires. We are leaving our domain and entering into someone else's domain where we don't belong. The root of improper desire is connecting ourselves to a place where we don't belong, to a world that's not ours. That man or woman is in our world. It's not our tafkid. We're not meant to focus on him or her. It's a distraction that derails you from building the relationships that you're meant to be focusing on and fulfilling your current mission that you're meant to be putting all of your life energy into. The Torah is commanding us, don't get connected to places where you don't belong. Stay focused on the life you were given and put every bit of your love and devotion into it. The Torah prohibits jealousy. One of the Ten Commandments is lo sachmed. You cannot envy another person's house, another woman, any of their gadgets or possessions, v'chol asher l'reyecha, anything that belongs to the person next to you. How am I not supposed to be jealous when that guy drives by in their Aston Martin with the top down, blasting, I love rock and roll, with the look of not having a worry in the world and seemingly living with every pleasure in life? The answer is that the Torah wants us to exercise our neshama over our inborn greed. It's the most healthy exercise that a human being can do to constantly remind ourselves that this is not our world and activate within ourselves a mindset of focusing on what we're meant to live with and putting every ounce of our energy only into maximizing our tafkid, our purpose alone. Every day, multiple times a day, we need to remind ourselves that this is not my world. The beautiful model on the billboard, not my world. Your friend with the Louis Vuitton handbag that makes you feel like a shaggy grandma carrying yours, not my world. The smooth talking dude or Mrs. Popular at the event who makes you feel inadequate, not my world. The uber successful businessman who makes you feel like a loser, not my world. Hashem wants us to focus on building our world and our world alone. Stop spying on the easygoing nature of everyone else's kids at the house where you don't belong, at the man spending his days golfing next door while your boss works you like a taskmaster. Focus on developing your world, on upgrading your relationship with Hashem, on appreciating the deeper nuances of the love of your life. Give your kids the best understanding of what a benevolent and selfless caretaker means and the framework for understanding Hashem's true nature. In photography, there's something called a lens aperture. The more you widen the lens, the more light the lens can let in and the more the background of the image will blur and give you something called bokeh. Bokeh is when the background of the photo blurs with gorgeous, smooth, soft colors. It defocuses the background into this creamy background tone and gives you a super sharp, clear image in focus, which makes the focus of your image really pop out and come to life in full intricate detail. Hashem wants us to live life with this kind of lens, to keep our world in sharp focus and let everything in the background go out of focus. 
let everyone else's lifestyle blur softly into the background. Only then can you see the vivid detail and beauty of your life in focus. Always keep nothing but your life and your mission in focus. Live your world. Remind yourself at least five times a day until your neshama etches it into the hardwiring of your mind that the Torah wants us to live our world. Hashem doesn't want us connecting, attaching ourselves, and spending our energy in anything and everything. He wants us to choose carefully where to focus our energy and then to put everything we have into it. Stop wasting mental space on envying and desiring what you don't have and instead put that energy into the people and projects of your own life. This is what building a vibrant world means. Yosef taught us in the strongest sense what it means to live our world. What gave Yosef the inner strength to overcome the desire of connection with the wife of Potiphar was the clarity that this was not his world. He reminded himself that this was not the person he was meant to be connecting and investing energy into. And when he saw the image of Yaakov Avinu, his father, he was reminded that my world is the world of Yaakov Avinu. I need to focus on becoming the son of Yaakov that Hashem has called on me to become. Building myself as a person completely focused on doing his will. This lesson is beyond powerful in day-to-day living. It can help us overcome the distractions of social media, channel our sexuality toward building and developing relationships with those who matter instead of destroying them, and combat the lure of the advertising world, always promising an easier and more pleasurable life. A person should remind themselves a hundred times a day that the things seeking to grab your attention and consciousness are not your world. The model on the billboard is not your world. The post on Instagram aimed at giving you the message that someone's life is better than yours doesn't matter. It's not your world. Everyone around you can have a nicer car, an easier spouse to deal with, an easier health situation, a better job, but it matters zero to you because it's not your world. Hashem gave me my set of circumstances, the difficult parents, siblings, or children I'm meant to deal with, the financial resources I'm meant to have, the wife or husband I'm meant to appreciate. This is my world. Hashem wants me to focus all of my energy and focus on my my tafkid, my purpose that I'm meant to fulfill. Don't spend your energy on areas that pull you away from who you are truly meant to be and from what will give you the most elevated life. Stay focused, stay connected, live your world and live Shabbos. Thinking so-